I'm not going to use the PowerPoint for this portion of the of the service. Uh, as I understand it, you usually use this uh, period of time for a kind of a back and forth on the lesson. So, uh, there's any questions uh, on the lesson that I presented? Anything? Uh, Maybe I didn't make as clear enough as I, as I could have for you questions that were arisen that I didn't deal with, uh, uh, anything at all. Okay, it was clear as mud then. <laughs> yeah, clear as a bell, I'll take it. Good deal. All right, what I want to do is show you something similar to that this morning and, and, and show you how much repetition there is. In, in the Bible, we all we all know probably about Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two being two different accounts of the creation. Uh, one, an overall account in chapter two, uh, focusing in on the creation of man and of uh, and of woman. Genesis chapter three, of course, dealing with the beginning of sin, the entrance of uh, the serpent in into the garden, and so. Uh, Chapter 2 really complements chapter 1 and, and focuses in on verses 26 and 27, I think, of chapter uh, chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verses 26 and 20 or 25. Yeah, 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing. That creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And and chapter 2 basically focuses in on that. Because God wants to get us, get wants us to get the message that man is different. Uh, a higher order of being than, than these other creatures that he has made. Man alone was created in God's image. Not in his physical image. God has no physical image. He's spirit, according to Jesus in John chapter 4 and verse 24. And so God has no measurements. He's not so tall. He's not, uh, you know, he's not five foot tall, not six foot tall, uh, not seven foot tall like Mark. Uh, He doesn't weigh 280 pounds like I do. Uh, He has no height. He has no weight. He has no girth. Uh, no physical measurements at all. God is immeasurable in any and every way. But he's not a tangible being. He is a spiritual being. So when it says that we are created in, created in his image, it's not talking about a physical image. It's talking about the, the spirit of man. Man being a, a spiritual being, uh, a, a creature of free will. All other creatures operate Primarily, if not uh, uh, totally, uh, by uh, instinct, man has very few instincts. Yeah, go ahead and turn that off. I'm sorry. Man has very few instincts, uh, comparatively. Uh, But man has free will. God has given man alone commands. He's not commanded the, the birds and the bees to do anything. He gave them instincts to do the things that they do. Uh, but he commands men to act, and men act either in accordance to God's will or in accordance to their own will. And so that's a difference between man and, the, and what we call 
the lower creatures, the brute creatures. And so chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis really help us to understand uh, that, that man is a, a greater, a higher uh, order of being than the other, other creatures. Now, of course, we know and understand that God is an even higher order of being because God is the source of everything. He created everything. And he is the uncreated creator of everything. He is the uncaused cause of everything. And uh, what some people try to do, materialists in particular, deny the existence of God. But when you deny the existence of God, you also deny the idea that man is any higher order of being than other animals. And it's no small wonder then that people start talking about animal rights. Uh, animals don't have rights under the U.S. Constitution. They don't have rights in any way whatsoever. Uh, the animals are under man's control. Man is to have dominion. God gave him that dominion. People talk how awful it is uh, to, to eat meat. I was talking to one fellow who was, I guess, a Hindu. He talked about how awful it was to to slaughter animals for food. And guess where I was talking to him? He, he, he had a leather shop. He sold belts and wallets made from leather. And I thought about asking him later. I thought later, I said I asked him if he would make a belt from the skin of a human being. Uh, but uh, you, you, can't, you can't take God out of the picture without reducing man to the level of a beast uh, consistently. And, uh, and yet everybody wants to think that they are better than an animal, although they don't always live better than an animal. Many people do not have any moral guidance uh, at all if they don't listen to God and, and learn his word and apply his word to their lives. And that's why so many people live immoral, if not amoral lives. And... You know, you don't judge them. Don't judge me. You know, I don't believe in that Bible. And, uh, but when you do that, you, you reduce yourself to the level of a brute beast. Now, I want to notice also that there are other places in the Bible where God repeats himself. Look, for example, in Nehemiah chapter 6. Now, Nehemiah was written uh, after the return of Israel... To, uh, to the land of Israel, from, from Canaan, to the land of Israel. It's and in chapter 6, notice what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah offers a prayer to God, and uh, it's a prayer asking God for preservation. Beginning of verse 1, that happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, uh, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates. Here were people who rejected the idea, these, these Gentiles out here, rejected the idea that God's people were any better than they were. Well, you know, in a sense, they were not any better. They had shown themselves by their rejection of God and their violation of the commands of God for which reason he divided the kingdom 
destroyed the northern kingdom and later allowed the southern kingdom be, to be taken into captivity. And, uh, but he's bringing them back because he still, they still hold a special place in his, in his heart because it is through them that he's going to bring his son into the world and save the world. But these enemies, they don't like the Jews because of this. Because of what they say as what they see as pretensions on the part of Israel, so they were enemies. Verse two: That Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, "Come, let us meet together among the villages of the plain of Ono." But they thought to do me harm. He knew that they were about to ambush him. They, they did not mean any good thing by this. They were just trying to get him away from the city, away from anybody that might defend him so that they could do him harm. So I went to messengers. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Now, Nehemiah, again, had rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem, but he hadn't hung the doors yet. That was going to be next. And this wall was to basically keep people out. God knew and understood that a nation needed borders and that borders need to be protected. And he ordered them to build a wall, just like Jericho had built a wall for their protection. But by the help of God, or by God's might and power, that wall fell. And Israel went in and defeated those in Jericho, according to the will of God. But here the Jews are building a wall, and, and these enemies do not like this. The Jews have been gone for 70 years, and so these people, they probably think that land is theirs. But God has once again given this land to his people. Verse 4, But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. That is, he answered them according to verse 3. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. It was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. That is, against the uh, established government of the Medes and the Persians. Those are the ones who allowed them to go back. They're still in control of all this area, the Medes and the Persians. And so these people are accusing them of rebelling against the, uh, the Persian kings and the, and the uh, Median kings. According to the rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. Now, Nehemiah had no pretensions to be a king. Uh, he just wanted to do God's will. He just wanted to build this wall, hang the doors, and eventually start working on the temple to rebuild that. So they could serve God in accordance with the law that God has given through Moses. Verse 7, And you have also appointed prophets, this is still Geshem saying, uh, or Sanballat saying, And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Well, there was not a king in the province of Judah, but there was a king that they recognized, and that was God. They recognized God as their only king king. And they were worshiping and serving him and him alone. They were not going to let anybody interfere with that worship and service to God. Sanballat doesn't like this. 
Now these matters, at the last of verse 7 there, now these matters will be reported to the king. We're going we're gonna to send word to the king of Persia. So come therefore and let us consult together. Then I sent to him saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward I came to the house of Shimea, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, uh, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come in to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? I'm a man of faith. And who who is them such as I, who is such as I, who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had sent him, had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because he, because uh, Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. And so, they're trying to get him to do something they know would be a sin according to the law under which he lived so they could bring something against him. This is exactly what the enemies of Christ try to do to Jesus. They always tried to put him on the horns of a dilemma, but he always turned the tables and put them on the horns of one. And they could never answer him in any way that made them look good and made him look bad. And so more often than not, they did not answer him at all. Verse 14, my my God remembered Tobiah and Sanballat according to uh, these, their words, their works, and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have, who would have made me afraid. And so he's praying to God there. Now in chapter 9, he prays on behalf of the people uh, a prayer of confession. And in this prayer of confession, we've already seen how he, he turns to God as, on a regular basis. In this prayer of confession, he acknowledges the sins of Israel and the justification by which God sent them into captivity. Verse 1 of chapter 9. Now on the 24th day of the month, of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day, and for another-fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Then Jeshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shabani, Bunny, Sherebiah, Bani and Shanana stood on the stairs of the Levites and cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Jeshua, Kalmiel, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashmaniah, Sherebiah, Hadijah, Shabaniah, and Petaliah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, 
that is speaking to God. This is what he's telling them to bless. You, you, here's what you say. Which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and everything in it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham, or Abram, and brought him out of the earth of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words for you are righteous. You made this promise to Abraham and you fulfilled this promise because you are righteous, you are just, you keep your word. Verse 9, you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, and against all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself as it is this day. Remember that when the, 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 two, the two spies went into Jericho and they met Rahab the harlot, she says, we've heard all about what God has done over in Egypt. Of course, it had been 40 years. I don't know how old she was. She either could remember it because she was old enough or she had heard the story time and again as she grew up. And so she had become a woman of faith. Verse 11, and you, and you divided the sea before them. Again, telling them this is what you say to God. So they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land and their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into the mighty waters. That's the Egyptian armies as the uh, Red Sea ceased to be parted uh, and, and closed in on those who were chasing the Israelites. Verse 12, For, Moreover, you fed them day with a, uh, by day with a cloudy pillar, or led them uh, day by day in a cloudy pillar, and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commands. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Even when they made a molded calf for themselves... And said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations, yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did depart from them by day, did not depart from them by day to lead them in the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. 
Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land. You subdued them or subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished. They were told to utterly destroy these people, which they did not do. Verse 25, and they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed homes full of, full of all goods. They didn't even have to build houses. The houses were built by the Canaanites. But when they killed the Canaanites, these houses were left empty and the Israelites lived in those houses. And that's what he's talking about. Verse uh, 25 again, and they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs and killed the prophets, killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself. And they worked great provocations. Therefore, you delivered them into the land of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they, had, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them delivery who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Talking about the period of judges, a cycle of sin. Verse 28, but after they had rest, they again did evil before you. No longer, no sooner that one judge delivered them and, and judged for so many years and died, then they became evil again. So, but after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. And when they returned and cried out to you, you heard them from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them, and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of all of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy you did utterly consume them, nor you did not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us, our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. He passes over those years of the United Kingdom and the divided kingdom. The, the, the kingdom was divided according to the providence of God because of Solomon's sins. When Rehoboam, Solomon's son, became king, ten tribes from the north rebelled 
and set up a kingdom that they took the name Israel because they were the majority of the people. And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned over them and plunged them immediately into idolatry, and they never looked back. The southern kingdom for a while remained faithful to God, but from time to time they had an evil, wicked king who would go into idolatry and, and defend that. And uh, finally, the, the king of, when Manasseh was king, God said, this is it, this is too much. I'm going to send you into captivity for 70 years. He told this through the prophet Jeremiah. And uh, Josiah, Manasseh's son, was a great king, had a, great, a, lot of, a lot of reforms, probably the greatest period of reform in the history of the southern kingdom after that divided period or during that divided period. But it was too little too late. God had already spoken. And the separation uh, or the delivery into captivity was already set in stone. So he passes over all those years and kind of summarizes those to tell God you were just in all that you do. Verse 33 again, however you are just in all that has befallen us, you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. We deserved everything you, you poured out on us, God. We did not deserve any of the uh, the grace, any of the mercy you extended to us, but we deserve everything you poured out in your wrath against us. Verse 34, Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law, now heeded, uh, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies, with which you, have, with which you testified against them, for they have not served you in their kingdom, or in the many good things that you gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. Here we are, servants today. And the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, here we are, servants in it. And it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us. That'd be the, 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 the Medes and the Persians. They were still over this. They were, they were getting the bounty. The, the children of Israel had to uh, pay tribute to, these, to the kings, uh, whoever happened to be the king of Media and Persia at, at any given time. They had to pay tribute. And so the people weren't uh, benefiting as they might have otherwise from their own productivity because they were under these kings. Verse 37 again, it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. And they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. And so, and he, he goes on and says some more things. But what I want to point out is through Nehemiah, God, for the people of Israel and for us, rehearses almost the entire history of the, of the people from Abraham to the return from captivity. Why does he do He wants them to remember that. He wants them to remember that God was justified in everything he did against them. He wants them to remember that they did not deserve a single thing that God had done for them positively. And so... Uh, it's a reminder of that. Look also at Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel does pretty much the same thing. It's 
In Daniel chapter 9, now Daniel is writing toward the end of the 70-year period. So Daniel really lived before Nehemiah. Daniel was probably almost certainly written before Nehemiah was written. Uh, but this is why Nehemiah prayed the prayer that he prayed. It has been 70 years. He knows what Jeremiah said about that, that the time of captivity is coming to an end. And so he prays this prayer on behalf of the people. Daniel 9, verse 1, beginning, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Again, that 70 years is about to come to an end. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity we have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who speak, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to your fathers and all the people of the land. God had sent prophet after prophet to the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, but also to the kings of the southern kingdom. Whenever they needed to hear what God had to say about their spiritual condition, which was lacking, he sent a prophet to them. And they almost always refused to hear the prophet. Persecuted, even to the death, many of them, as Jesus pointed out in Matthew chapter 24, I believe. 23 or 24. 23. Verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you. But to us, shame of face, as it is this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to you belongs shame of face, to our king, or to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God, belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him before they went into Israel. You might remember that uh, Moses took the children of Israel and placed them on Mount Gerizim and Mount, Mount Ebal. And those on Mount Gerizim, they, they proclaimed the goodness of God. Those who, uh, or the goodness uh, of the, the blessings of goodness. And, and on Mount Ebal, they pronounced the, uh, the consequences of, of evil. And that's what he's referring to here. Uh, and so that came, that came true. In verse 8, uh, sorry, verse 10, we have not obeyed the voice of our Lord, of the Lord, our God, 
to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey his, your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such as has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all the disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord, God, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though he, we have not obeyed his voice. Notice how he continues to speak to God in the third person, as if God was somebody. But there were three persons in the Godhead. And so he, he does not feel worthy to say your commandments but the commandments of the Lord, the commandments of God, etc. Uh, verse 14, Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, from your holy mountain, because, of our, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. But on behalf of Israel, he's repenting and confessing these sins. It, it the punishment is nearly over. He's, he's letting God know. This is how I feel. He seems to be speaking for the people that he knows. They feel like this as well. Verse 17, Now therefore, our God, keep the prayer, or hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. As for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and See our desolations, and the city which is called by your name. For we do not we do not present our supplication before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear; O Lord, forgive; O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God. For your city and your people are called by your name. So in this prayer, this inspired prayer by Daniel, again, he rehearses the history of Israel. Why? He wants his readers, his readers then, his readers down through the ages, the Jews, their children, Gentiles. He wants us to understand that God means what he says and he punishes wickedness even when it is committed by his own people. And he is always just in doing so. But he will always forgive if we will repent and confess. I mentioned earlier, we won't read it all. We won't read any of it. But I want you to encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11. I know you've read it before. Read it again in, in this light. As he goes down through there and talks about the faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and, and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and uh, Moses, Joseph, and uh, 
David and Solomon and, and others, some that he doesn't even name. He talks about their faith. And the implication is man has always been justified on the condition of faith. And never has a man be, been justified other than by faith. He, wants, he wanted to keep that ever before the minds of the Jews. He wants to, to keep that ever before our minds. And so, so much of the history is re- repeated time and again through various prophets. There are probably more than I have shown you this morning. But Nehemiah chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 11. God wants us to know and understand. When we have faith in him, that faith will be rewarded. Any other any comments or questions? All right, we'll close with those uh, with those thoughts. Appreciate Bob.